Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, well, we've been doing a series. This is our third week in the series we're calling The Blessed Life. We're, we're basing it on this book, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, that I've asked everybody to get a copy of, read it as we're going through this series. I've asked our connect groups to be going through it as well and discussing discussing the things that we are, we are learning. And we started off in the first week talking about God's desire to bless you and that his desire to bless you applies to every single component of your life. God wants you thoroughly blessed. Sometimes we get fixated on one or two areas. I want to see my marriage blessed. I want to see my finances blessed. God wants to bless you everywhere. And so we looked at scriptures that that tell us about that. God wants what is best for you, even more than you want what is best for you. Then we quoted Jesus, where Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. So if giving is better, God wants what's best for you. He wants us to be givers, generous generous people. Now, we usually just think of money, but generosity applies to all kinds of areas of our lives. That's who we are as a church. It's one of our values. We give. We are a generous church made up of generous people. We want to be a resource to our community, not a drain on our community. How great would it be that when our community has a need, the first place they go is to God's people, that they know that needs are satisfied there, problems are solved at the house of God, that that it wouldn't be the other way around, that there would be a resource, a beacon of light and hope to our community. We, We want to have the kind of resources and be that kind of blessing, but it takes generous people to be a generous church. So giving applies to all kinds of areas, but But finances is incredibly important because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. And we said that the way that you use your finances, it's like the dial on a radio that you're determining what kind of heart you want to have. If you use your finances just for selfishness and just for greed and it's all about you, well, you you can't be generous and a genuine giver in other areas because you set your heart on selfish mode. So it's important how we use our money. We want to be generous everywhere, but we determine that our where our treasure is, there our heart is as well. Then last week, we started talking about what sometimes can be a difficult topic. We talked about tithing. We talked about how tithing is something that still applies today. It's biblical. People will say it's, it was just part of the law. I'm not, we don't have to do that anymore. But we went through the Bible and said that it was, it was predating the law. We can see people tithing before there even was a law, and it postdates the law. Jesus said that we should continue to tithe. We saw the purpose of it in, in the law. We looked at the story of Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, and in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how that was a picture of the new covenant. It happened before the law, and it was a picture of what was coming after the law, and Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Some people believe that he was, he was Christ, king of righteousness and king of peace. He has no beginning, no end, and Abraham brought a tithe to him, and when they met, Melchizedek brought wine, and he brought bread. What's that a picture of? Communion. It's a picture of the new covenant. So even in this offering of tithes that predated the law, it was a picture of something coming after the law. Then we looked at the book of Malachi chapter 3, the classic passage on tithing, where God, as he starts talking about tithing, he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. And we talked about how it, it is important to notice how God identifies himself as he begins to talk about that subject. Because that's one of people's main pushback against tithe is we, we don't have to do that anymore. That was like an old-fashioned old thing. But God says, as he's talking about, I'm the Lord and I do not change. 
But wherever you stand on it, you need to get clear on whether tithing is for today or not. Because in that passage, God says that you're robbing me and you're under a curse related to how you handle the tithe. So there, there's a lot on the line. We've got to, to know what the Bible says concerning, concerning this area. Amen? We're going to continue talking about tithing, tithing today. This is such an important area for, to, for us to make sure that we have things right in, in our lives. You know, I really believe this series, if you let it be, is going to be something that helps you grow and move on to maturity. That if you're serious about following Jesus and you don't want to be stagnant, you want to press in deeper, you want to come up higher, you want to experience breakthrough, then you need to, to lean in on what we're talking about in this series because it's going to help you. This is a series where we're talking about things. There's going to be opportunities for people to get offended, but there's also opportunities for people to mature if they're serious about maturing. That people are going to experience breakthrough. Amen? So to make up your mind, that's going, that's going to apply to you. You're not going to be somebody that gets offended and turned off. You're going to be somebody that leans in and grows up higher. Amen? You know, I, I want to pray and then we'll jump in. But almost every week, actually every week, when we, we get prayer requests on Connect cards, we pray for them on Tuesdays, we pray for them on Wednesdays, we take that seriously. But there's always a number of prayer requests concerning people's finances. And we pray for that. We want to see God's blessing in that area. But when you look at the Bible, when people experience the blessing of God financially, when it comes to material things, it, it didn't just happen. God always gave instruction for people to submit to. And as a result of that obedience, they experienced blessing. So we'll pray for financial breakthrough and for people to experience increase and be able to pay the bills. But you, that's not going to happen outside of obedience. And tithing is one of those areas. So we we could go through the Bible, tons of stories, a story of a widow in the Old Testament whose sons were about to be sold into slavery. But God, through the prophet, gave instruction of what she was supposed to do with the oil she had and the vessels she had. And as a result, she had an abundance. Story of another widow who was about to starve to death with her son, but God gave instructions of how she could honor him with the little that she had left and enjoyed abundance. In the New Testament, Peter and his fishing crew were out all night, toiled and strived and had nothing to show for it. You know, could, could Jesus have just said, Zappo, and there would be all kinds of fish. Alakazam, there, there's fish. Could he have done that? But he didn't do that. He gave them instructions, and as they followed the instructions, that's how they got to enjoy the blessing and the abundance. When Peter needed money for taxes, could he have just made money and pull a coin out of Peter's ear? He probably could have, but instead he gave him instructions on what to do. Go down, begin to fish. You'll find a coin in the fish's mouth. There's always instructions for us to follow. So if you need financial breakthrough, God's giving us something that he can bless if I'll submit to the instructions he's given me in this area. Amen? Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. I thank you for each person that's here and I ask that you would bless us this morning with eyes to see and ears to hear. God, that you'd give us a spirit of revelation and understanding so we could know you more. Speak to our hearts, Lord, in a way that we can receive and understand. Give us grace to be doers of your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know that order matters? Having things in the right order matters. And when things are not in the right order, it can be, it can be devastating. You can have all the right components, but if they don't come in the right order, then it messes everything up. If I came up on the platform this morning and I had all the same, the exact same articles of clothing on, but I put them on in a different order than I did, it, it could be, it could be trouble, right? Let's say I got out of the shower this morning. And the first thing I put on was my belt. And then I put on my jeans. And on top of that, I put on my, my undergarments. On top of that, 
And I came up on the platform like that, and instead of the order I did put them on, I got my sweater on first, then my dress shirt, my T-shirt on over top of that. Not, not only would I be terribly uncomfortable, I, I would look like a maniac, right? If I had my socks on top, over top of my shoes, I would get up here. You wouldn't say, wow, he looks like a superhero. You'd say, wow, wow he looks like a, a nut, right? You wouldn't be able to take me seriously. You wouldn't say, that outfit works. You'd say, this, 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 he looks, I can't even take him take him seriously, right? So even though you could go down a checklist, you have, you have this article, yep, you got your belt, yep, you got your, your socks, you got your t-shirt. I would have all of the right components, but because I had them out of order, it wouldn't function properly. This, this applies all over in life. Let's say I was going to make you an apple pie. I was going to bake you. You, you love my, my recipe for apple pie. I use Graham Grahams. You, you love Graham Grahams apple pie recipe. So I'm going to, I'm going to write, write off the card. I'm going to do everything on the card, but I switch up the order. I don't follow the steps properly. So I, I put all the components together. I put it in the oven, set it for the right time. Timer goes off. I pull it out of the oven, set it on the counter, and then I turn the oven on and begin to preheat it. Well, I've, I've done all the same things, but it, the recipe isn't going to work because the order wasn't right. Or if I, I, I did it all, and then once the pie's been baked, th then I go to peeling and slicing the apples. The apples just have been stacked up inside, inside the, the pan up until that point. If I don't have the order right, it doesn't work, right? We, we could use all kinds of different illustrations and see the consistency. If you do all the same things, but the order is messed up, then you are messed up. If I give you instructions to my house and say, hey, go a mile, then take your first two lefts, and then take your first two rights, then you call me a few hours later and say, man, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And I ask you what you did, and you said, yeah, I went a mile, and I took the lefts and rights, but I did, I did it all in a different order. But I, I did all the things. Just in my, well, I don't know where you are. You, you messed up the order of the instructions. Now, now you are lost. Every, every area of our life, order matters. And when things are out of order, it doesn't work. Even when a machine isn't working, what's the sign they put on it? If you've ever been to an ATM or a vending machine, and you walk up, and it's not working, what do they say? Say out of order. And when you see that sign, this thing is out of order. The order isn't right. You know, it's not working. Don't, don't even waste your time. It says out of order. And I understand that out of order means it doesn't work right. It's not performing properly. People experience that in their lives all the time. Areas of their life that aren't working properly. They're, they're not functioning. Why? Because they are out of order order. And in God's kindness and his love for us, he's given us instruction in his word to bring things into order. The Bible says in Psalm 37 that he orders the steps. He or, For a good man, a, a righteous man's steps are ordered of God. He brings order to them. What's that mean? Here's what comes first. Here's what comes second. It's not just hodgepodge, you know, anything goes as long as you got the right stuff. No, there, there needs to be an order to it. It's his kindness because he wants your life to work. He wants your marriage to work. He wants you to be able to arrive at your destiny and, and do what he's called you to do. But you've got to have things in proper working, working order. You know, when people say this area of my life isn't working, they just want God to, to supernaturally do something to fix it. They miss that God supernaturally gives us instructions to follow, and if we'd apply his instructions to our life, it would put things in order so that they would work. Sometimes because you, you think it's from the Bible, we miss the, the fact that it is supernatural. God's word is living and active and powerful, and if we'll submit to it, it will bring things into working order in our lives. Again, the, God's word gives us instruction in so many different areas how to put things in proper order. In your marriage, the Bible speaks about marriage as an example. 
that the way that it works is having the proper order. And people all the time mess up the order and they suffer the results of having things out of order. In your life, God needs to come first and then your spouse and then your children. But you hear people all the time. We've talked about this before. My children are my world. My children are my life. My, my life is all about my kids. And it sounds nice. And it makes people feel like they're, they're great. And it might work in the short term. But that's not the way that order is supposed to go. And when things are out of order, eventually it's not going to work properly. Your spouse needs to be a priority over your children. Amen. And everywhere in our life, God needs to come first. God needs to come first in our lives. And when God isn't first, automatically everything is out of order. Because if, if the foundation is off, then, then everything is off. God needs to come number one in our lives. And he gives us instruction in his word, practices that help train our hearts and call our lives into alignment. God comes number one. God comes first in our lives. And if we get that right, everything else. This is what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. Everything else falls into place when we get it right. But just like, just like marriage, just because you have your God first, your spouse second, kids third, doesn't mean there's no problems or issues or anything you have to work through. Having God first doesn't mean there's, there's no issues that we have to work through, but it sets the foundation that, that things will work properly and we can come through trials and difficulties out the other side stronger, stronger than we were before. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 13. There's a principle of first in the Bible. God establishes that he comes first in our lives and he uses different things to ingrain that in our hearts, to ingrain that in our lives. So we'll read a couple of verses. Exodus 13, starting in verse one. You know, God coming first in our lives isn't for his benefit. It's for, for our benefit. because So our lives will be in order so they can work. It doesn't affect God. If you put God dead last, if you don't put God at all, he's still, he's still God. What it messes up is your life. So it's, the instruction is for your benefit to make sure your life is in working order. God has to be first. Verse one, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. So, so God says, whatever is first belongs to me. He says to consecrate it or to set it apart, that it belongs to him. That he, could have said, he could have said the second belongs to me, the third belongs to me. He could have put a claim on anything that he wants. It's not about the item. It's not about the lamb. It's not about the animal. It's, it's teaching us a principle learning how to put God first in our, in our lives. So if he said, hey, give me the, the fourth cow of every cow that's born, that, that's, that's not the point. It's, the point isn't the cow. The point is teaching us God comes first in our lives. So God says the first belongs to him. Like he says, the tithe belongs to him. The first portion belongs to him. Skip down to verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all of the firstborn of men among your sons you shall redeem. So God says, all of the first belongs to me, and you're either to sacrifice it to me, 
or you're supposed to redeem it. And then he uses the example of a donkey not being redeemed. If you have something that's first and you refuse to acknowledge God comes first, you refuse to follow God's instruction, then what are you supposed to do? Break its neck. So it's showing us you're going to lose it anyway. If you choose not to honor God and your motive is to cling to it, I'm going to get ahead. I found a shortcut to increase by not honoring God in this area. You're mistaken. That's what we talked about last week when the people were robbing God of the tithe. And he says, you're, you're under a curse. You, they thought that they could rob the tithe from God and end up ahead. But the result was they, they were moving the opposite direction. It hurt them. It didn't help them. So you're not going to be able to enjoy it anyway, so you might as well choose to honor God and experience his blessing instead of choosing to disobey and come under a curse. It's like having seeds that you can either release by throwing them in the trash can and it just be a waste, or you can release it into fertile soil and set yourself up for a harvest and blessing. Either way, it's coming out, it's coming out of your hand. So he says we're supposed to, to sacrifice it or to redeem it. Now, the difference was that we sacrifice. He's telling them to sacrifice what was clean, but what was unclean in Jewish law, certain animals were clean, certain ones were unclean. What was unclean needed to be redeemed. Redeemed with what? Redeemed with a lamb. They would take a, a lamb, which was clean and acceptable, and redeem what was unclean. This is amazing because it's a picture of what God has done for us through Jesus, that we were unclean because of sin. Amen. So I couldn't offer my life as a pleasing sacrifice to God before Jesus died for me because I was unclean. I needed to be redeemed by one who was clean. All of us were sinful. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Romans chapter 3, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us, due to, to our sinful nature, we were unclean. We, we needed to be redeemed. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but the Lord, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we have been saved. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, for we have redemption through his blood, that we were unclean and God sent his son Jesus to redeem us. God gave his first portion, right? His first son in order to redeem, to redeem us. Let me read one more verse. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We were unclean and made clean through the redemption that God sent his sinless, spotless lamb, Jesus, to die in our place and brought us into redemption. So the, the tithe, the first portion, it's got to come first. The tithe is the first portion. God says the tithe belongs to me. The tithe is a tenth and the first portion belongs to me. So the tithe has to come first. If you know Jesus, then you are a child of God, correct? That we are, we are God's children. I'm God's son. You're God's son or his, his daughter. If you've accepted Jesus as Savior. Now, I, we say this all the time, but it's a, an important distinction to have. It's not just arguing semantics. It's good to have this understanding that not everyone is a child of God. Everyone has been created. So when people say, how many know we're all God's children? Not, not so fast. That's not necessarily true. 
Everyone has been created by God, but only people who have accepted Jesus are his children. There's a very specific adoption process that we have to go through, and there's only one way to be adopted into the family of God, and that's through accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the only way we can come into his family. So those of us who know Jesus, we're his sons, we're his daughters, and God has thousands and thousands and thousands, millions of sons and daughters. But when God sent Jesus, how many, how many sons did he have? He had one at that point. He had one. John 3, 16. It was, it was his one and only son. So he, gave, he didn't wait and, send and sacrifice his fourth or fifth or eighth or 20th son. He gave his first portion, his first son, and he gave it and he redeemed the rest of us. And there was faith involved by giving his first. If he would have waited until he had a bunch of us, first of all, if he wouldn't have redeemed us with the first, he would have lost the rest of us. We would all be literally lost but it required faith. God believed that if I give my first, I'm going to receive a harvest back. So when we talk about the tithe coming first, one of the significant parts of it, obviously it teaches us that God comes first, but when we give our tithe the first portion, it brings in the element of faith. Because when you give right up front and not wait until you make sure that you've got enough, faith is involved with it. Dave Ramsey talks about this. When people make their budgets, he says oftentimes the mistake people make is that the tithe comes down at the bottom of the budget. And they put in all the other things, groceries and car payment, and if they have enough left at the bottom, then they, they tithe. Even if they do tithe at that point, they've removed the element that's pleasing to God, that there's faith involved. Because the Bible doesn't say that without cash, it's impossible to please God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's not after our money. What pleases him is one obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, follow my commands. God's love language is obedience. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's not about money. It's the faith in obedience that tithing brings into the equation. God, I trust you. And so if I wait and give God a later portion and not the first portion, I've removed the element that's pleasing to the Lord. That God, God wants the first, the first portion. When the Israelites moved into the promised land, they began to take it over. They conquered lots of different people. All the all the ites that you read through in the Old Testament, the Canaanites and the Amorites and on and on, all these, the Perizzites, all these people that lived in the land. So they conquered a lot of different people. They conquered a lot of different cities and a lot of different regions. And in doing so, they got to enjoy the spoils of all these victories. But as they were doing it, there was one city in particular that God said, the spoils of that victory belong to me. Which one was it? It was Jericho. And why was Jericho significant? Because it was the first city that they conquered as they began to move into the promised land. And God says, what's first belongs to me. Now, you, you might think that it would make more sense for them to say, hey, as we're beginning this military campaign, we should, we should keep these resources so we can keep on moving forward and use these resources to, to continue conquering cities. And then later on, when we're sure we have plenty, then we can honor God. But it, it, it wouldn't have required faith. God... God says the first part belongs to me, and in giving him the first part, you're trusting him for what comes next. Just like if you had a, a, a lamb, like we read from Exodus chapter 13, you don't wait until you have 10 lambs and offer God one. You give him the first because it, it demonstrates faith for the rest. So when you and I bring our tithe, it's the first portion, the first 10% that we honor God with, not waiting until the last 10% because it, it demonstrates faith or a lack of faith that we're either trusting God for the rest or not trusting God for the rest. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions 
and with the first fruits of all your increase. It's with the first part that we honor the Lord. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruits, he says, bring into the house of the Lord. Now we bring, we bring the first part, we bring our tithe, we bring what God says belongs to him. We don't give it because it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to him. You know, we get tithing and giving intertwined when really they're, they're different things. Tithing is giving God what belongs to him. Giving, you can't give what doesn't belong to you. We saw in Malachi chapter three as well. He says, bring the full tithe into the house of God. You're not giving the tithe. God says it belongs to him. And then he gives us instructions on what we're supposed to do with what he says is his. And when you don't handle what God says belongs to him, the way that he says to handle it, you set yourself up for hardship. You put yourself in a dangerous place. When God says something belongs to him and you don't handle it the way he says to handle it, it is an enormous mistake. So God, God says the tithe belongs to him, the first portion belongs to him, and he says what we're supposed to do with it. What are we supposed to do with it? The tithe belongs to him. It says to bring it into the house of the Lord. That's what we do with the tithe. Now, you know, people say it's easy for you to say because you're a pastor and you, you want people to bring stuff into the church, but we're talking about the Bible, right? A, a pastor didn't write this. We're, we're quoting scripture from what God said. If we're reading from a book that was authored by Luke Brueger, then you'd have an argument, but we're just talking about God's word, right? And God says the tithe belongs to me, and then he tells us what to do with it. The tithe is to be brought into God's house. And I've heard people for years say, you know, I just like to have my tithe on me and I, I can give it to people that I see in need, or I'm helping out my my nephew right now. And so I consider that my tithe. I'm just kind of helping him get on his feet. I know someone who just got out of prison. And so I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm tithing into their life right now. Well, th those are all wonderful things to do. But when you're calling the shots on it, you're, you're removing God's ownership. He says that it's his, and he's already decided what he wants you to do with it. He says to bring it into his house. So those are all great things to do, but do that with what belongs to you, not with what God says belongs to him. Amen. So he says that the tithe belongs to him and he gives us instruction on what to do with it. So a tithe is 10%. We don't get to decide what the tithe is and we don't get to decide what to do with it. One time I had someone show me their tithe record. I'm still not sure why, but they had it broken down years and years worth of charts. And I mean, they, they kept meticulous track and they said, look at this year, this year my tithe was 8%. This year my tithe was 9%. This year my tithe was 11%. You don't get to determine what a tithe is. A tithe is 10%. That's what the word means. It's a tenth. It says a tenth of all that we have belongs to the Lord. And what we're supposed to do with it, we bring it into the house of the Lord. And again, when you don't handle what God says belongs to him, the way that he says to handle it, you set yourself up for problems. You cause problems in your life. Flip over to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter seven. So we'll pick this up after the Israelites have defeated Jericho and they're moving on to fight the next battle as they're taking the promised land. Joshua chapter seven, starting in verse one, it says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Camry, the son of Zabdi, a son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. 
Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabirim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us, and cut off our name for the earth, then what will you do for your great name? We'll read the next couple of verses, but what has happened is they had this incredible military victory over this huge city, Jericho. A fortified city, great big walls, they obeyed God, the walls came crashing down, but God said, everything there belongs to me. The spoils of this victory belong to me. But this guy named Achan says that he took what belonged to the Lord. And so they were on to the next battle, and they go at this next little city. It's, it's a village, basically. There's not many people there. They spy it out, and they say, listen, what we just accomplished, you don't have to send many people. Let people take the day off. Just send some of us. We'll be able to handle this no problem. So they send about 3,000 guys, but it says that their hearts melted. Their hearts became like water, that the, the people from this city were able to chase them down, kill some of them. They get back, and they, they report this defeat it doesn't make any sense. They're not able to do what God had called them to do. They're trying to, to follow what God's instructions were, but they're suffering defeat. So Joshua begins to cry out to the Lord. He throws dust on his head. He's asking God, God, why aren't things working right? Why are we lacking the ability that we thought we had from your word? Why don't I have the confidence? Why don't I have the boldness? Why, why are people's hearts becoming, becoming timid? Things weren't working right. And so this is God's response, verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Joshua's crying out to the Lord, why aren't things working in my life? How come I don't have the ability to do the things I feel like you want me to do? And God says, get up, get up. This isn't a mystery. You're not following my instructions. Maybe there's areas in your life where you think, what, what in the world's going on, God? I'm not able to take territory. I'm not able to advance. I know you want me blessed. I know you want me to succeed. I know you want me to have boldness in you. My heart's melting. I don't have the ability. I'm not experiencing it. It's not a mystery in some of our cases because we, we're, we've done what Achan did and put our hands on what belongs to God. He says that you've robbed, you've stolen and deceived. Sounds like Malachi chapter three, that people have, have robbed God. He says that you've deceived and you've put in your own stuff what God said belonged, belonged to him. 
And so what should have been a blessed military outing actually became cursed. And instead of victory, they experienced failure. Why? Because they didn't honor God by giving him what was first. And when we give God what's first, it redeems, like we read in Exodus 13, it redeems what comes later. Like Jesus was first and he was sacrificed to redeem us. And so when they didn't redeem the rest, the blessing, the blessing was off of it. That's what happens in some people's finances that when they don't honor God with the first portion, the rest of what they have doesn't carry the blessing of God. That the tithe comes first, and the tithe redeems, redeems the rest. You know, there's, there's a reason that we're here this morning, right? There's a reason that we meet on Sunday mornings. What, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. So the reason we come together on a Sunday morning is because we want to redeem the entire week. So we, cut, we give God the first portion, the first portion, right, right up front, God, right up. The first thing we do on Sunday mornings, we get up, we get ready, and we come to church. God, this entire week belongs to you, and we acknowledge that by giving him the first portion of the week. Church attendance is more, in people, more important than people realize, more important than people give it credit for. Coming to church matters because the first portion, when we give honor God with it, it redeems the rest. I make it a point, and again, this is another thing you can say, well, you're a pastor, it's easy for you to say. When I'm on vacation, wherever I go, I find, I find a church to go to. And I've been to some churches that are good and some churches that are, we'll just say that they are, are struggling or have room for, import, room for improvement. But I make it a point that on Sunday morning, I'm, I'm in church because I want to honor God. The first part belongs to the Lord. That's why, why we give God the first part of the day when we get up in the morning and begin to magnify God and spend time with the Lord in the morning. Because I, I, the entire day is redeemed when we give God the first portion. In January, we take 21 days to fast and pray in January. Why? Because we want the entire year to be blessed, so we give God the first portion. This is a principle in the Bible, that when the first part is is given to God, it becomes holy and set apart, that the rest becomes set apart as well. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. For if the first fruit, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. If the first part is holy, set apart, it belongs to you, Lord. Then what happens to the rest of it? It becomes holy as well. If the roots are, if the first part, the roots are holy, then the rest, of, the rest of the plant is holy as well. We can apply that to our day. We can apply that to our week. We can apply that to our year. We can apply it to our finances. When the first part, God, it belongs to you, then a blessing, a blessing comes on the rest of it. Now, just practically speaking, what does that look like when it comes to our tithe? If the first part goes to the Lord. If you get paid by direct deposit, like I think most people do, you get paid, I, I get, receive mine on the, I think it's the first and, first and 15th, my wife just confirmed, it's the first and, and 15th, and you can do a couple of things. You can set up, if you have your, your tithe set automated, like a lot of people do, you can set that up to go out the same day that your finances, that your payment comes in, or on those days, you can just get online and, and pay it. Or if you like to write a check or give on Sunday mornings, you can just set apart that portion, set it apart to the Lord. You don't have to get weird about it and make sure once this money comes in, I'm not going to eat anything, buy groceries, get any gas until I've given my tithe. You can just set that, write that check, set it apart. This, this belongs to the Lord. It's set apart wholly to the Lord. In Israel, they would bring their sacrifices to Jerusalem at certain given times throughout the year. So every time a lamb had a baby, 
They weren't packing things up and traveling hundreds of miles. They would set it apart. This is holy unto the Lord. And then they would bring it. So we can do that with our tithe and our first fruits as well. But the first part matters because order, order matters in our lives. Turn to Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter four. We've looked at this before, but it's worth looking at again because you can see how important it is, the order that things come in. When you, you give God something later, it removes the part that's pleasing to him because he's not just after the hundred bucks or whatever it is. He's after the faith and the obedience and the acknowledgement that God comes first in our lives. So in the story of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter four, starting in verse three, it says this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So we're only told a couple of things about these offerings that these men brought to the Lord. We're told that one was acceptable and one was unacceptable. God respected one and he didn't respect the other. So God doesn't just accept any offering. Because again, that's not what he's after. He's after the heart and the meaning behind the offering. Otherwise, he'd just be scooping up anything he could get his hands on. But there's lots of times in the Bible where God says, no, I don't even want it. Just keep it. Keep it. Don't even bother. He didn't want Cain's offering. So we're given that distinction. What's the other distinction that we have? That one of these men brought it in the process of time and the other one brought his first portion. And the first portion was acceptable to God. It matters what order we honor the Lord in. That he, he says the first part belongs to me. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says it's impossible for God to lie. It's impo- he cannot lie. Because once he says something, it, it, it becomes true, even if it wasn't true before. It's impossible for God to lie, but it's also impossible for God to come second. It's impossible for God to come third because God is first. God is number one. He's the most high God. He's he's the beginning and the end. There's nothing you and I can do to mess up the fact that God is first. Amen? He's the most high God. There's nobody like God. And if you don't prioritize him as first, it doesn't mess things up for him. It It causes things to change for you. The reality is God is first and there's nobody like him. And if you and I put him second, third, 12th, 20th, whatever it is, it alters our reality and it changes things where we're living in some kind of warped, perverted, twisted reality that's out of alignment with truth because God is first. And when I choose to honor him as first, it brings my life into alignment with that reality and it allows me to have everything else come into order in my life. It put things in tune with the truth of the universe that God comes first. But when I choose not to honor him, it messes things up for me. The Bible says that there's an anointing on tithing. There's an anointing on giving. Deuteronomy chapter 14, that the purpose of the tithing is to do what? It teaches us. The tithe teaches. The tithe trains your heart to do what? 
God comes first in my life. So if you're using the tithe, even if you're giving, but you're not doing it first, the tithe is still teaching you something. The tithe is teaching you that God comes fourth. God comes fifth. If the way that you give towards the kingdom of God, and the way that you bring things into his house is after the mortgage, after the car payment, after we make sure we have a great vacation, after I take care of some of my hobbies, after these things, and then I get around to it. If, if you're, you're allowing it to come seventh, there's still an anointing on that. And the danger is you're teaching your heart. You're training your life that God comes number seven. God comes number 10. God comes number three. And it's pulling you out of alignment with reality that God is number one. God's got to be first in our lives. And this is an important aspect to teach ourselves and to train ourselves. Whenever you talk about this, I said it last week, whenever you talk about this, people call into question your motives. People wonder why you're talking about, especially as, as a pastor. I said last week, if you have questions about motive, if you have questions about desires and what, what can be trusted, don't allow your suspicion to be an excuse for disobedience. Find another church. Find someplace else to tithe. It's not worth you being out of alignment and walking in disobedience and putting yourself under a curse. You've got to make sure God is first in your life. But if you find a church that you, doesn't teach you and push you to tithe, I would call their motives into question because they need to be pushing you to keep God first in your life. I'm not pushing you to give for the sake of giving. I'm pushing people to give so that we can have God first in our lives. That, that's what I'm pushing after. And I know people, quite, I, I received a call, I received multiple texts this past week, your church is just about giving, your church is just, I, I understand people question that, but it's worth being questioned and people having suspicions. It's too important to train people that God has to come number one in our lives. And that's what we're pushing for, to raise up, not people that have got to be constantly pacified, and you've got to tiptoe around to make sure you don't offend. God's going to have a difficult time using those people the way that he wants to use them. That it shouldn't be a problem. God, you come first in my life. Have whatever you want. We sang it earlier. Have everything. You have my heart. I shouldn't get snagged up on whether a tithe belongs to the Lord or not. That's a weak-minded, immature person. And I understand if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But we can't cater to that level. We've got to push people. God's got to come first in your life. And if this is a hang-up, if this is a hang-up for you, you've got to answer some serious questions. Is God really first in my life? Because it's too easy on suspicion of people's motives to dismiss myself from submitting to the Word of God. That we're using Scripture. We're going Scripture by Scripture, building this to see this is what God has instructed us to do. And here's why. It's not about money. It's about, God, I honor you. You come first in my life. And it's a foundation for what? I can walk in reality. He's not trying to deceive us. But the way you use your tithe is important. What did it say about Achan? It said that he stole, he put in his own stuff. It says that he's stolen and he's deceived. Who did he deceive? He deceived himself. He messed up his own life. He didn't mess up God. He messed up his own life. He deceived himself. We'll wrap things up where we started in Exodus chapter 13. The very next verse we read about, the first, God says that what's first belongs to me, talks about redeeming the animals. Exodus chapter 13, verse 14. It says, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Talking about offering God the tithe, offering God the first portion. What is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. 
and it shall be as a sign on your hand and as the frontlets between your eyes. For by the strength, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. He says, there's coming a time where you'll be asked, what's going on with the tithe? What, what do you, why do you honor the Lord with the first portion? You know, when people question us as a church or us as individuals, why do you talk about money? Why do you push for the tithe? It's actually an opportunity, not for us to be ashamed and sheepish and back down. It's an opportunity for us to testify about the goodness of God. Man, God has been so good to me. God has delivered me for so many things. He's my provider. I'm, I'm honored to get to, to honor God and acknowledge him in this area of my life. I'm not gonna get hung up on a, a small portion. Everything I have is from God in the first place. So if you think I'm gonna buck at him asking for 10%, you, you gotta be crazy. You're out of your mind. It, it's an opportunity for us to testify of the goodness of God. So when people ask us about that, we just begin to talk about how God has rescued us and redeemed us. And he says, your children, that's why it's important to teach your children to tithe early on. Even if they're just doing it because you've taught them, there'll come a point where they say, now, why are we doing this again? Why, why, do, we, why do we tithe? Why do we give God tenths? Well, first of all, we don't give. It belongs to him. And we're acknowledging everything belongs to him. We're walking in obedience. And he says it's an opportunity to begin to talk about how we once were slaves in Egypt. But with a strong hand, God brought us out. With a mighty hand, God delivered us. You know, some of us have testimonies of being wrapped up in terrible, embarrassing, obvious sins in our lives. Some of you have testimonies like, like mine, that at one point I was, I was bound, I was a, a liar, I was a thief, I was a sexual deviant. I was uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol. My life was a mess, but God redeemed me and brought me out of that. Now, my wife is different. She wasn't involved in any of those things, but she still needed a savior. She still needed to be redeemed as well. So all of us were bound in some way. All of us were slaves and all of us needed to be redeemed and be brought out. And so with a tithe, a tithe is an acknowledgement. God, I, I was a slave. Everything that I have belongs to you. Everything good in my life is because you chose chose to rescue me. You know, even when we tithe, every time that we tithe, we're sharing the story of the gospel, that the first part redeems the rest. The first portion redeems the rest. Just like Jesus was God's first son, and he chose to give him to redeem the rest. Tithing is a declaration of the good news about what Jesus has done for us. The first portion is a marker of redemption for the rest of us. So, I was a slave, I was bound, but with a mighty hand, God chose to break bondage off of my life. And so to tithe, to give him the first portion, man, I'm pleased to acknowledge God has rescued me and redeemed. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.